What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is Tuesday, May 24th, and Rashad Penny is hurt. Uh, who had May 24th or May 23rd? Really, it happened. So yeah, we'll we'll check the it's overall. Unbelievable. Yeah, it stinks, but it's you know maybe it's just nothing. But did but you it, see? Did you see the video? No, I didn't. So um, I saw. I forget who it was. I, I should get it. So I credit the person. You should. Um, but I never do. <laughs> it was uh, Greg Bell who covers the Seahawks for the News Tribune. So he tweeted a, a video of a drill that they were doing, and Rashad Penny's like just standing off on the side watching the drill, and said Penny not taking part in in activities uh, because of a slightly strained hamstring. And I was already, yeah, it's <laughs> like, just ridiculous. This poor guy. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, remember, don't be a jerk on social media. Rashad Penny is a lesson in how you can impact people's mental health. Basically, don't be a yep. jerk. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. Except for us. We care. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so regression candidates. So Jamar Chase's touchdowns, Lamar Jackson. It's a lot of touchdown stuff. Cole Komet not scoring. Miles Sanders not scoring. That kind of stuff. Dalvin Cook unlucky inside the five-yard line. What did it mean last year? What does it mean this year? We're going to go through a whole list of players here. Um, I got Was a, I a jerk to you on Twitter? No. About the, the Predator comment? <laughs> no. No. That was funny. Oh. When you... Was, was I a jerk to you on Twitter? Probably. When I made that whole list of all of your worst takes ever? <laughs> no, that was funny. That was funny. Except, but you misquoted me on uh, at least one. Or misrepresented me on the Michael B. Jordan thing. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Adam said that watching Predator will make you manlier. And I asked him when he's going to watch it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not mean at all. That's very funny. All right, I got a Debo Samuel stat for you. He's a regression candidate. Finished as a top three wide receiver. It's more more of like a, a storyline. His season was cut in half. First first half of the season, he was incredible uh, as a receiver. Second half of the season, he really wasn't, but he was incredible as a running back. But, you know, you look at the first half, there were very, very few games where you had Brandon Ayuk playing a full snap share and you had George Kittle healthy. By the time Brandon Ayuk started playing his full snap share, George Kittle got hurt. Debo was great in that time, but if you look at the last eight games of the year, the last seven games of the year for uh, for Debo Samuel, he averaged five targets per game, and that was most of the 
time when you had both Ayuk fully ramped up because he was kind of in the doghouse at the beginning of the year, playing 90% of the snaps and George Kittle uh, on the field and Debo Samuel on the field. And you're talking five targets per game for Debo Samuel. Um, Heath, what does that stat mean to you? I think it's a lot like Ozark because you've got that split <laughs> in the middle of the final season where the first half of the season is really about one thing. And then the second half of the season, it becomes clear after the finale is really about another thing. I hate you. So, so I have not seen the finale. Jamie and Heath are torturing <laughs> me. I'm honestly concerned. I swear, I'm not joking. I'm honestly concerned that some jerk in everybody's nice except for maybe one jerk who's going to spoil it in the YouTube comments. So Schrager, I'm not looking at the YouTube comments today. That is all you. I will not have this show spoiled. For so two episodes just, left. just so our audience knows the things that I've told Adam that have actually happened in, in the show, uh, that, um, Marty was abducted by aliens. Yeah. That Charlotte's moved to Canada. <laughs> right. That Jonah's now the head of the cartel. I don't like, can we just stop, please? Just stop. <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah. Anyway, what what did you think of that Debo stat? Five <laughs> targets per game that in his car accident. in his Ooh. last seven games. Um. Yeah. I, I think if he has the role he had in his last seven games, I'm even more concerned about regression than I am if you just look at his full season statistics. Because if it's five carries and five targets per game, um, that's not that's not probably going to be a very good. A number one, number one wide receiver, and it might not be a number two. Mm. And Jamie, he's so interesting, Debo Samuel, because uh, he's unlike any any wide receiver we've really seen with his role in the running game, unless we're counting Cordell Patterson. But now he's also getting a new quarterback in theory. So, how much regression do you think is coming for a top three wide receiver last year? Uh, there, there's obviously some. You know, he's just so good with the ball in his hands that you know this whole top uh, off season you know, talking point about his contract situation, you know, his, his unhappiness. Um, is it because he was used in that regard as a, as a ball carrier and taking so many additional hits that a wide receiver typically does not take? And so there's that whole group of round two wide receivers, at least the guys I expect to be in round two, that he's a part of, that are really not necessarily a mystery, but there's a lot of, you know, question marks surrounding them. You have Devontae Adams in a new team with a new quarterback. You have Tyree Kill on a new team with a new quarterback. You have A.J. Brown on a new team with a new quarterback. You know, you have Debo Samuel with a new quarterback, and is his role going to be more of a wide receiver or more of a, you know, do-it-all threat? And the 49ers seem pretty content making him a do-it-all threat because he was so successful for their team. Uh, but will they push back on that because he's pushing back on that? And so... Uh, it, it kind of, you know, if you really want to get a wide receiver, a top tier wide receiver early, it doesn't have some question marks. You take one in the first round of the three guys, you know, are pretty much locked in that we talked about last week of cup Jefferson and chase and take your chances with those round two running backs. instead of those round two receivers, or, you know, hopefully you get Kelsey or, or Andrews and you avoid that group. If you are concerned. All right. The last uh, eight games for Debo, he averaged, uh, five targets per game and 6.6 carries per game. The, the bigger concern I think is what if it is that Debo doesn't want to play running back so much and Trey Lance is quarterback and they just don't throw the ball that much. And Ayuk's playing a full snap share and Kittle's healthy. Well, yeah, that right. It's a concern, but also when he wasn't getting a lot of carries, because in the first eight games of the year, he had six carries wasn't used as a running back at all. Really? He got 10 targets per game. Now, like I said, that was, that was 
you know, Ayuk not playing a full snap share for most of that. Then Kittle got hurt. But 10 targets per game for Debo. He was on pace for 1,874 yards on 172 targets. But the, the question is, I guess, what, what was the bigger factor? Was it the fact that Ayuk got off to a slow start and Kittle got hurt and the targets were up? Or was it that he wasn't being used as a running back and the targets were up? You know what I mean? I think it's, 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 th- this puzzle is fascinating right. because I don't think Elijah Mitchell can have a breakout season if Debo's playing as much time at running back and they're going to work in you know, uh, Davis Price and to whatever extent Trey Sermon. I don't think that Debo can produce at the same level if he's not playing running back if Trey Lance isn't a significant upgrade or at least on par with what Jimmy Garoppolo's kind of best has been, which you know certainly has, has been good at times. And Kittle can't be the same type of player that he's been if all these other things are working together, like this, just putting this all together, like, you know, Heath for, for doing projections has got to be a little maddening um, for anybody drafting these guys. You know, it's, it's kind of just a, a roll of the dice with almost all of them, because, you know, we just don't know with, with how Trey Lance is going to play um, his mobility factoring into to these guys, you know, is Mitchell healthy is Kittle going to stay healthy. It's, it's just a fascinating team. Um, I find myself tending to avoid the 49ers at cost because you know, I think just buying into Elijah Mitchell as a fourth or fifth round running back is just feels a little too pricey for me, especially in PPR. Um, Debo in round two feels a little bit too pricey. I haven't ranked that way, but I, I, I just think it's it's a little bit too risky. And Kittle, you know, round four, maybe round five for sure. But, you know, anything early round four, I, I, I tend to stay away from them. You know, so Ayuk and, you know, Davis Price and Sermon are the 49ers guys as I tend to, you know, find myself gravitating toward in the drafts I've done. But even those guys feel a little, you know, question mark just because you just know what you're getting. So this team is, you know, especially if Garoppolo is still on the roster when we get to training camp, I, I don't know what to make of them, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, Heath, give me a round for Debo, two or three. Uh, I would feel much better about him in round three. Mm-hmm. And when, would you consider taking him in round two or is he strictly round three? <sighs> I I would consider taking him in round two, but I'd rather not. Okay. Uh, here's a Jamar Chase stat. So what's the regression for him, by the way? Touchdown rate, yards per catch? Yes. Okay. Uh, he had five touchdown catches of 50 or more yards. As a rookie, five touchdown catches of 50 or more yards. Only eight players in NFL history. By the way, a little help from Heath and Schrager on this one. Only eight players in NFL history had more than five in a season. The most recent was Antonio Freeman for Green Bay in 1998. You know, he, so Jerry Rice's career high single season is five touchdown catches of 50 or more yards. Randy Moss's five, and that was also his rookie year. So that's probably going down for Jamar Chase. But uh, well, gonna, and there, there say the 24 targets are going up though. 24 wide receivers have had five in a season. Only a couple did it twice: Jordy Nelson and Jerry Rice, I believe. Um, but the most recent player to have four touchdowns of at least 50 yards was A.J. Brown in his rookie year, 2019. He has not had a touchdown of 50 yards or more since. Right. The most recent before him to have at least four touchdowns of 50 or more yards was Tyreek Hill. He has not either. Wow. But but Tyreek Hill had a, five, had a season with five such catches and then followed that up with four, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And I'm now not sure that that thing I just said about Tyreek Hill is totally true. <laughs> 
Well, I'm looking. I've got two different uh, databases here within. I'm using Stathead, which is a, a fantastic job. I want to give them credit. But I also have Pro Football Reference, which is associated, but it looks a little bit different. So Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there were some big plays. I love big plays, but plays that big are, are hard to replicate, I guess. Uh, you just have to like, have like the proper amount of yardage, in your, like 35 yards. Those, that's what we should be looking for. Anyway, Fantasy Football Today is here to help you dominate your fantasy league all season long, and now you can represent your favorite podcast with official Fantasy Football Today gear only found on the CBS store, CBS Sports Store. I have a link for it in the episode description. We've got T-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser-engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush them in your fantasy league. And right now, our listeners will get 20% off their order when they use this podcast-exclusive code. Fantasy Football 20. Fantasy Football 20 at checkout. So you get 20% off your order with the promo code Fantasy Football 20. And it's only for our listeners. Head over to the link in the episode description and shop right now for your FFT gear. Let's get the best shape of his life o meter out. We've got another player on there. It's not really a meter. We need something for this segment, though. Best shape of his life list. I don't know. We had Amari Rogers. Welcome, Mac Jones. You are now in the best shape of his life club. Oh, we can call it that. Best shape of his life club. It did say he lost his belly. He lost like his lose my belly also. Belly. <laughs> and who was it that said he was in the best shape of his life, Jamie? I don't know. Mr. Efficient I, himself, Kendrick Bourne. I, I do know this, and I have I take issue with it. What? They lose Kendrick belly? Bourne presumably has known Mac Jones for all of about 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> How does he know what the best shape of Mac Jones' life is? I'm just saying, you know, he said it. So now he's on the you know, list. We've all seen the picture, right? With his was his shirt off or of what Mac Jones? Yeah. The I didn't one that see it. made the rounds last year. Oh oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh it, it, whatever. Uh anyway, we're gonna we're gonna keep adding to the list. Anytime like any of you have me I'm in the best shape of my life. You usually are you're not usually it's God, you're fat. <laughs> I, I uh, if, if anybody sees anyone join the best shape of his life club, please alert me because we got to keep a running list. Now, so for your, I need to notes. go back. I, I don't know what the first thing I was saying was, but AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill have had touchdowns that long. They've not had seasons with four or five or six or seven of them, but they have had a touchdown of more than 50 yards. Okay. Well, I just need to say that. Um, Oh, damn it. I, don't, I was trying to find If you the play something song. when I do that, then it really takes away that, my motivation to correct myself. Heath, there's that one scene in episode 13 where they're running yes. away from the bear. Well, that's just a Jamie stat. Yeah, running away from a bear. All right, news and notes. And they're running probably about 40, <laughs> 50 yards. Terry McLaurin and Kyler Murray. Not with the team for the offseason workouts. Terry McLaurin skipping them. Ty- Kyler Murray skipping OTAs. Alex Mack also. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that's. I don't hear about offensive linemen doing that too often, but okay. So, any big reaction to this, Jamie? Uh, I think I saw if the Cardinals, Marquise Brown, also not there. So, you never know if that's just, you know, guy moving and trying to get, you know, accustomed to New City or he's, you know, just not able to attend, but I would assume he's probably happy with the situation given the fact that he requested the trade. Um, Kyler, this is expected. Uh, um, McLaurin, I mean, these are two guys, you know, that we've heard about contract situations. So, you know, they're, they're, it shouldn't be surprising. Uh, you know, you, you, you look at McLaurin's situation and clearly every wide receiver for the most part got paid. <laughs> 
that that wanted to get paid, and he's the one that that's you know left out at this point. Um, so we'll see if there's a contract extension coming for Kyler. You know his situation as well. This was the fear. You know, uh, you know. I think I mentioned this. You heard some rumblings at the owners' meetings that this may linger in the training camp, and you know this this Cardinals team. I saw Peter King write this too with his power rankings on Pro Football uh, Talk that this Cardinals team just feels like something's off. You know, you have Kyler's contract situation. You have, you know, Chandler Jones leaving. You have DeAndre Hopkins with the suspension. I think Christian Kirk leaving. Um, you know, there's just a, a lot of turnover um, in certain spots and key guys missing and a quarterback not happy. It just, it feels like it could be a disastrous season from the Cardinals. I hope not because clearly we all have a lot invested in their fantasy options. Kyler, Hopkins to whatever extent, uh, Marquise Brown, James Conner. Zach Earth, there's a lot to like about this team, clearly. So hopefully everything is, you know, on the up and up by the time we get to week one. But it just feels like it could be a disaster happening in Arizona. And by the way, Marquise Brown, I mean, it could be a contract thing, though, because he's in the same year as McLaurin and A.J. Brown and uh, D.K. Metcalf. You know, so maybe he wants a contract. There was just this report that Marquise Brown could get paid top dollar. So I don't know. And Alex Mack, by the way, is a center for the 49ers who might retire. I don't know if he's holding out or what, but he hasn't. As last I saw, I, I just happened to see before the show started that he wasn't at volunteer workout. Yeah. So just looking up some reports, they're they're not clear that he's going to even come back this year at all. So at least as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, more news: Matthew Stafford not throwing yet. He's got, I think, his elbow, or you know, just just kind of, just not a huge deal, but just kind of keeping it. Uh, you know, Stafford staying cautious. Yeah, Stafford. He had a procedure, right? You said it? he did, right? Minor he had, elbow. He had, he had uh, an injection in his elbow to clear out some things. So right. clear up some things. Uh, Geno Smith is apparently looking like he's in the lead right now to be the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. Still a lot to be determined. Rashad Penny has the hamstring injury uh, issue. Injuries pl- uh, plus issue is injury. And Travis Etienne is going to be full go for OTAs. And that's it for the news and notes. So let's get to the regression candidates. Hope you listen to FFT and five. Heath and I were arguing about this during the mic check before the show even started yesterday. I cannot, I cannot sit by and listen to the Joe Burrow slander. So it's Lamar Jackson and Joe. It, yeah, it's slander, Heath. There's zero slander. It's, but I understand because after Josh Allen's season. It, breakout season they thought it was slander and after lamar jackson's mvp mvp season ravens fans thought it was slander and after patrick mahomes mvp season chiefs fans thought it was slander so he didn't win the mvp he did not win the mvp he did have an outlandish uh, efficiency year who do you want to start with lamar jackson or joe burrow Uh, i think lamar jackson because we will all agree okay go ahead uh, he had a 4.2% touchdown rate last year. His career rate is 6.3%. That's passing. Rushing touchdowns, he had never had fewer than five in a season. He had two on 133 rush attempts. He averaged 40 more yards from scrimmage per game last year than he did during his MVP season. Yeah, And was seven or eight points worse on a fantasy points per game basis. Let's talk about the per-game stuff with Lamar Jackson because he finished 8th uh, in 4-point and 12th in 6-point, but 
You really do for this one. You really have to Azer stat it. Yes, uh, that's sir. just an Azer stat. Yeah, so you got to take out the game where he threw, I think, four passes. He's played 14% of the snaps. And if you take out that game, he's a top five quarterback, fourth in four point and fifth in six point. So, you know, there's that. And where do you guys have Lamar Jackson ranked? Fourth. Uh, six, but that might change. I guess the question is, what kind of what does the absence of Marquise Brown do to his passing touchdowns? Is he going to get back to the the six point two career uh, touchdown rate, uh, or you know, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews have basically accounted for kind of for fifty five percent of the team's touchdown catches since two thousand nineteen, uh, and a lot of that is Brown. So, or yeah, so I mean, is that is that going to hurt the touchdowns for Lamar Jackson? I think it comes down to how you view Rashad Bateman. You know, if Bateman can step into this role, you know, different type of player, clearly, but, you know, has the opportunity to be, you know, if you just go back the past two seasons, you know, 140 plus targets and 100 targets for Marquise Brown over the last two years, you know, so is the 120 target guy in this offense. The running backs are going to be healthy, you know, or, you know, they, they certainly added a, a more capable third guy, at least on paper with Mike Davis. So if the run game is better, and Bateman is comparable to Marquise Brown in terms of production. You know, so Lamar Jackson has the pressure of not having to carry everything because that was all on him last year, and the offensive line was a mess. Um, he clearly has the opportunity to bounce back to uh, almost everything that you like about Lamar Jackson, maybe not the heights of his MVP season. So, yes, I think, you know, the touchdowns will be, you know, maybe a slight downgrade because Brown's not there. But, you know, I, I do think that Rashad Bateman has an opportunity to be that type of player that Marquise Brown was in terms of a stat producer for the quarterback. And uh, I, there, I've heard a few people say, you know, they let they traded Marquise Brown away, and they're getting J.K. Dobbins back, and they're clearly going to go back to their run-heavy offense. And I think it's just worth remembering that Lamar Jackson's fantasy points so far in his career have been inversely correlated with pass attempts. The year that he won the MVP and broke fantasy football, they th- ran the ball 596 times and threw 440 passes. Right. Uh, as, and as far as Marquise Brown goes, he he does, I guess, make some big plays. Last year, he had touchdown catches of 42, 49, 43, and 39. And that's not insignificant. I mean, that's kind of the argument I'm going to make. All for- with Lamar? Yes, actually. And... The year before that, he had a 70-yard catch. He had a 44-yard catch, but the rest of them were 2, 3, 20, 6, 18, and 9 yards out. Uh, but, you know, it helps to have guys who can make big plays for you. It's a big plus for Burrow, obviously. So let's talk about Burrow, Heath. He was QB8 last year per game. He was 10th in 4-point and 9th in 6-point per passing touchdown leagues. And I've mentioned this, but in his last 12 games, including the postseason, he scored more than 19 fantasy points only five times in his last 12 games. Scored more than 25 fantasy points only twice. Um, Those were two games where he averaged 44 fantasy points, but kind of didn't put up great numbers uh, down, you know, in the last 12 games, if you include the four playoff games. And, uh, but still people are really high on him. His ADP is QB4. And I think that's probably what's what's ringing the, the alarm bells for you. Uh, he's going ahead of Lamar Jackson, whose ADP is QB6 right now in NFC drafting. Joe Burrow at QB4, as much as I love Joe Burrow, I'm not going to make the argument for the QB4 in ADP. But you know, where do you think he should be? You, I think you have him closer to 12? 11, yeah. And I don't – like I saying somebody's going to regress, and we'll get into this more later when we just did with Lamar. It's not saying they're going to be bad or that you don't like them. Um, but he had an 8.9 – 
um, yards per attempt last year. That's 10% better than Patrick Mahomes' career rate. I don't think we should project Joe Burrow to be better than Patrick Mahomes at this point in their career. Now, maybe he'll be better than Mahomes' passing efficiency this year because of his weapons, but I don't want to project him to be better than what Mahomes has been for his career. Um, And no one really has been in the modern era except for Deshaun Watson. Um, And so he needs an increase of about three or four attempts per game just to match what he did last year in terms of fantasy production. Yeah. And that was QB eight. He'll get it. Well, you, you also think he's going to double his rushing production as well. Yes. Well, I, I think he's, I think he can get to, what did he have last year? Like 120. Yeah. Yeah. I think he can double that just based on his college career and his rookie season. And I think the ACL was why he didn't, run so much but he averaged what i think 32 do you have the numbers i think it was 32.5 pass attempts in the regular season and it was about 36 in the postseason and if you look at when they decided to turn him loose he was throwing a lot more i just don't see how he's not going to throw more this year jamie what do you think on burrow i mean look he was uh 76% completion percentage in his final year in college, 70% last year. You know, so there's a, a two-year sample size of his accuracy being, you know, very consistent. Um, I'm obviously, I don't know how anybody can't be encouraged by the upgrades on the offensive line. And so, you know, you're talking about what they allowed him to do in the second half when he's finally healthy and now he's a full year removed from the ACL. You know, you can't look at this receiving core and say it's not among the best trios in football. And is this, okay, now you've put the team on your back and you've taken us to a Super Bowl. And so now is it start, starting to chase that again, but also chasing MVPs and chasing all pros and chasing those things, you know, so your legacy starts to come into play. And does that become more of the stat year or stat years coming into play as well? So I, I think what you guys have said is, is clearly the, the case. First off, the fourth QB off the board is way too soon. Um, as encouraged as you should be by Joe Burrow, you don't have to draft him that high because I don't think many people are going to draft him that high. The other part of it is there, there, there probably will be some natural regressions across the board, but if the volume does stay at this level or go up, which I think it might because their schedule's tougher, that he's in these more competitive games and having to throw more. And, and look, you know, he benefited from a Baltimore defense falling apart uh, Cleveland's defense is going to be tough. You know, the Ravens obviously bouncing back, Steelers defense stuff. So his division's brutal. Um, but if Chase takes the natural step forward and T. Higgins in his third year takes the natural step forward and Tyler Boyd still produces, it's hard not to like Joe Burrow. So he's a top 10 quarterback. You know, I think if you draft him accordingly and you have the, the right expectations for him, hopefully he exceeds those. But drafting him as the fourth quarterback, you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure. Does he have QB1 upside? I know I said this on a on a previous show that I don't think so, but that's potentially with everybody in front of him getting hurt to a certain extent. You know, I, I don't know if he's going to be a 5,045 touchdown guy with the the rushing numbers you expect. Well, he doesn't need the rushing numbers if he has that year. Oh, right? true. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to throw it to the level of Brady, um, you know, to be in, in, in the 5,000 club, barring just a disastrous you know, defensive season and Joe Mixon getting hurt probably. Um, can he be, you know, 4,500 and, and 35 touchdowns, you know, and 
40 touchdowns, maybe. I don't know. Well, he was okay. So last year, Burrow was 4,634 touchdowns in only 16 games. So, you know, so probably going to take, you know, close to 5,000. Yeah. Right. And he had two rushing touchdowns as well. I think he absolutely has QB1 upside in his career. It might happen after he gets paid and they can't afford to have a good defense. <laughs> All right, let's uh we'll take a break. We'll talk about running backs here. We can spend the whole show talking about Joe Burrow. Luckily, we have a few more months for this. I uh, just want to show one of our listeners, our viewers, trolling me right now. News and notes, Trey says. News and notes, both sweep the Panthers. Yeah, they sure did. 49 shots on goal from the best offensive team in, in like the history of hockey, basically. I mean, you mushed Couldn't the score. Panthers. Yeah, best team in the regular season. You jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. That's dry. I felt, believe me, that's what I thought the entire night. I felt really So the bad. hockey playoffs been good now? They have. They actually have been great. Almost every great. first round series went seven games. Yeah. And it wasn't those pathetic seven games. Has there like ever 40 been a point bad point. hockey playoffs? I don't know. I mean, when you have such low scoring right. games, but but like this Panthers Lightning series was tra- was terrible. It was fine, you know. There were some good moments, whatever. But a four game sweep when you got the number one seed getting swept—that's that's awful. That's that's not good enough. Um, not as bad as the Celtics Heat series, but or no, I'll say not as bad as the Warriors Mavs series, but um, but. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. We'll come back. We'll come right back. We'll talk about some some touchdown regression and other like things. Ozark episode twelve. We'll be back. Wiggins dunk on Luca was so so special. All right. We'll be we'll be right back on fantasy football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Miles Sanders didn't score last year. Dalvin Cook... Should have scored more. He had six rushing touchdowns in 13 games. James Conner, maybe he'll score fewer touchdowns. He had 18 total touchdowns in 15 games and was the number five running back in fantasy. So uh, give, me, give me the you know the overall take here on these running backs and their touchdown regression. Heath, Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, James Conner. I am more confident in Cook scoring more and Conner scoring less than I am in how many touchdowns to project for Miles Sanders versus Boston Scott. Um, I just, man, I, I hate that situation and I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me why it would happen like it has. And in 2020 Sanders had six and Boston Scott only had one, but in 2019 Scott had more than Sanders as well. Um, so I definitely Miles Sanders should regress and should score touchdowns. But I do have more concern about him like normalizing as a running back. So I think it could be a situation where Gainwell takes passing downs and Scott takes short yardage. Boy, I, I don't really think 
that Boston Scott has a short yardage back. Do you? I mean, I wonder how many of his Those touchdowns. Those were injury situations. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like when when Boston Scott scores, scores touchdowns, it's usually because Miles Sanders isn't playing. And it's against the Giants. And it's always against the Giants. The thing for Sanders, first off, his cost is absolutely ridiculously amazing. So, you know, for what you're buying, you're buying a guy that still has, I think, still top 15 upside. And that's in either format. And more so in non-PPR because I do think his, his receptions are going to be a problem because of a mobile quarterback. And as he said, Kenneth Gainwell, they really drafted him to be kind of the next Darren Sproles. And we didn't see that to the extent that I think we were hoping to see it last year. At least I was. But he certainly has that potential. Um, if they don't add anybody else, it's kind of like the Chiefs. You know, the same thing with Clyde Edwards-Lair. They've kind of told you, I think, what they think of their lead guy is, okay, Boston Scott has proven he could be a good backup, but Miles Sanders should be their guy on first and second down or whatever he does in the passing game. This is going to be a very good offense if, if everything comes together. I mean, Heath is in love with Jalen Hurts, understandably so. A.J. Brown's addition. Um, you know, th- this, this team is certainly trending in the right direction. They've done a great job drafting and putting this, this roster together. So if they score more and they still run as much as they did last year, which is probably not going to be the case, but if they're still a slanted toward a run-heavy team, Miles Sanders is in a great spot. He's in a contract year. He wants to get paid. We usually see guys fight through injuries, especially guys like him, you know, who have had these, you know, minor, you know, little things come up. So I, he's one of my favorite buys this year. You know, I, I love the setup for him. Um, I hope we don't get a Jordan Howard type, you know, scenario again, where they bring in another veteran to, to kind of, you know, frustrate the situation, but he's going to score more. I think the six touchdown number is, is well within reach. If he gets anything North of 35 receptions, I think you're in a great spot for him. So, um, he, he's, he's ranked higher for me than he's been drafted, which I think he's the 28th running back off the board. Right. We said that yesterday. Um, I got him as RB 30 right now. Okay. Even better. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're getting that type of potential production that late, you should be thrilled about it. What do you make of Connor and, and, uh, Dalvin cook? I, I mean, Keith, do you think Dalvin cook is being drafted 10th overall right now instead of top five because of the low touchdown number from last year or do you think people will just feel like he's just too injury prone and maybe his best days are behind him what do you think i think if he had scored touchdowns like he did in 2020 when he had 17 um in one more game then yeah he would still be drafted top five it's that he's got to because he's going to miss a few games every year it seems like um He's got to be a hyper-efficient running back who also scores a bunch to justify being a top-five pick. Should he be a top-five pick, though? Because there's no reason why he can't score that much. He had so many carries inside the five-yard line, and he was terrible with them. And that's just not going to happen again. I mean, that's just not a a stat that sticks from year to year. If he gets those opportunities again, Dalvin Cook is going to score a lot more touchdowns. I think that's true. Um, I think there's some concern about like, it's also a new offense and his role in the passing game while they're using him as a receiver in training camp. That was the worst year he's ever had as a pass catcher last year. Yeah. So what do you think 10th is appropriate for him? I've got him 13th. Oh, so right in that range. It is a pretty big drop for a guy who was a top three running back two straight years. And then if you look at his season, I mean, it's really largely touchdowns and he missed four games. So I, oh, I don't know, Jamie. I, All right, Andy's, Andy's gonna be twenty-seven. Yeah, Jamie, what do you think about Connor? 
I mean, did the concerns about the touchdown regression go away when they didn't bring back and really replace, in theory, Chase Edmonds? Uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about him. You know, again, I'll go back to what I said that the the Cardinal situation, while it you know feels like things could go south, if Murray shows up and is fine, and you know at least you have that. Forget about anything else. If you have Murray, fine. Um, Connor, if he avoids injury, is a, a top five running back on paper based on what we saw in this offense last year in the five games that Chase Edmonds missed. I mean, his role in the passing game was amazing. His touchdown potential, as we saw last year, was was fantastic. And the competition, while uh, Ingram and, and Benjamin might prove to be serviceable Chase Edmonds replacements, one of them, if not both, uh, they clearly show you their faith in Connor right now. So he's in a, just a, a, a great situation. If this offense plays to the potential of what this offense can be, um, you know, he, he's he's a very solid running back to target in the round two, round three range, depending on when he may f- where he may fall. So um, he's also, you know, got the age concerns that, that Heath has mentioned. He's going to be 27 if he's not 27 already. Um, and he's clearly proven to be injury prone himself. But, you know, last year with this team, he put it all together and it was fun to watch. So he's uh, he's got top 10 upside, if not top five upside. Let's see. When did he turn 27? I know it was in May. Could be today. Maybe today's his birthday. No, May 5th. Cinco de Mayo, James Conner. Happy birthday. Okay, so that's our takes on uh, Conner, Miles Sanders, and Dalvin Cook. We good there, Heath? Or shall, shall we move on to wide receivers? I'm good. All right. I'm good. All right, so the, the wide receivers the well, wide receivers you gave uh, for regression are <laughs> three of the top five from last year, including number one. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Debo Samuel. And we cover. I think we covered Dan, uh, Debo Samuel extensively, but what are we supposed to do with that? When you just say they're the regression candidates, tell me what that means. In because I know you have two of them as, I think first round pick certainly Cup Chase first round pick for you. Yes, it's it's three different things. I mean, if Cooper Cup was not going to regress, it's it, with him. It's how far is he going to regress? He'd be the number one pick if he wasn't going to. Um, but when you have a twenty eight year old wide receiver that is. better than he's ever been. You should expect that he's not going to be that good in the following year. When you have a receiver like Debo who does things in a way that's so much different than anyone ever has, um, you've got to expect some regression back to the mean. And then Chase's efficiency was just off the charts. I think the nice thing for Cup is that he's shown in 2018 when he was healthy and in 2019 when he was healthy that he's a top 12 wide receiver. Um, And so if you're regressing from one of the best wide receivers ever – to a top 12 wide receiver, and you're going to be somewhere in the middle there. It's probably still has a really high floor, um, but you should not expect him to score 16 touchdowns or average 114 yards a game or have 190 targets again. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jamie, for, for those two guys for cup and chase, I guess, is it fair to say what they don't have over Jefferson is two elite seasons, although I think Cup had a top five finish earlier in his career. But you you would like a little bit more of a track record, I guess, of, of elite play if you're going to take a guy in the top five. You think Jefferson has the, the best resume when you're talking about these guys as first-round picks? Um, it's, it's, it's certainly a fair conversation. You know, I, I think going back to when we talked about Cup versus Jefferson versus Chase, as, as I said then, is the first year of Cup with Matthew Stafford. And so as good as Jared Goff may have been, 
Stafford's a different kind of player. He's a different kind of quarterback. He's a borderline Hall of Famer if he's not there already because of the Super Bowl win. And so the rapport that those two guys showed in year one, you hope will only get better in year two as they continue to have breakfast together and they continue to you know develop their on-field chemistry. It doesn't help that Stafford's not throwing right now, but you know those two guys clearly seem like they're locked in. And Sean McVay, you know, I remember at the owners' meeting, somebody asked about the play against the Bucks, you know, and just how. There was no concern about calling that play in that situation because he knew that those two guys were going to find a way to connect. And it seemed like that was the case on a week-to-week basis. And now you take away Robert Woods and you don't know what Odell Beckham is and we don't know what Allen Robinson is going to you know, turn into. Now there's some more changes. You know, I think the loss of Andrew Whitworth will find out how much that's a problem for you know, his entire offense. But I think Cup is, you know, like you said, is there enough of a resume for him? I, I trust his resume, you know, with Goff certainly with Stafford for Chase. You know, I mean, we see players like this. This this is superstar potential type of guy. You know, so if the targets go up by any extent with a better offensive line and a better quarterback play, you know, as he continues to progress as well, you're removed from from the ACL, you're plus removed from the ACL. Um the the sky's the limit for both of them. You know, so when we did the show, as, as I said then, we're nitpicking these guys. So will there be regression? Probably. But to what extent when Adams, who knows how far he falls. Tyreek, who fa- who knows how far he falls. Debo, who who know how, who knows how far he falls. AJ Brown, you know, all these guys are going through changes. You know, like the one that might be the safest, aside from Jefferson, could be Stephon Diggs because he's in the same system with the same or relatively same system. You know, Ken Dorsey stepping in for for Dable. Um, you know, you just you just have to look at those four guys essentially and say, I think I know what I'm getting. I feel pretty comfortable with what I'm getting, and I'm going to buy them with top 15 picks. Diggs being the one that goes in round two. I think it's pretty remarkable to look at Cooper Cup's career and just to, to think this. In three of his last four seasons, per 17 games, he's been on pace for at least 1,200 yards and at least 11 touchdowns. In three of his last four seasons. You know, that's that's incredible. And the other year, he was on pace for 1,100 yards and three touchdowns in an absolutely terrible season for the Rams passing game where they threw 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, Cup, I don't know. I, it almost sneaks up on you how good he was before last year, but obviously last year was was another level. 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns, 191 targets, and even better in the postseason where he was on pace for 2,031 yards and 26 touchdowns. Uh, unbelievable. He had 40% of the team's receiving yards uh, in the regular season. What do you think about this strategy? Just in case you get more from the number two guy, Allen Robinson, than you did last year with Robert Woods, who was okay, and then but then got hurt. And What do you think about taking both of them? Cup's your first-round pick. Robinson, your fifth-round pick. You don't reach for him in round four, but he's your fifth-round pick. You got to figure they're going to dominate the passing game. I don't know if you have to figure, but you could. This would be the strategy. You figure they're going to dominate the passing game, and if Robinson's kind of bad, then... Then Cup's still incredibly elite, and it doesn't really matter if you wasted that fifth round pick if he, you know, if he's like just not that good. But if Robinson is good and he's worth that fifth round pick or even more, maybe it comes at the expense of Cup, but it kind of softens the blow a little bit. You've, you've locked up the the clear cut top two guys in the in the passing game for the Rams, regardless of how the distribution goes. What do you think? You know, I think I'd you? rather go Cup and Van Jefferson. Okay. Uh, yeah, or Robinson and Van Jefferson. But I don't I don't want to use a fifth round pick on Al Robinson really. 
But that's where he's going. I would do it independently of Cup. Let me say. Let me see where he's going. That's what happened to Stafford get hurt? We've seen this before. Al Robinson's going in the sixth round in in ADP. He went in the fifth round in in our draft a couple weeks ago. He's sixty fifth. So he could easily be a fifth round pick, but right now, if, if Stafford gets hurt, that's a disaster. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But you know, that's I don't play that game. I don't play that game. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, look, it, it's how many how many receivers that go in the first five rounds on the same team do we trust? So Godwin and Evans, if they're healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Higgins and Chase. Yeah. Okay. Well, well if you want to say Robinson and and uh, and Cup, right? Sutton and Judy, perhaps. Yes. Are they both going the first five rounds now? No, not oh. not yet. But they did in our draft, and I I think they might. Sutton's Used to be at, Lockett and Metcalf. Sutton's Lockett at sixty six. Maybe Jefferson and Thielen. Yeah, Thielen could be around six picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your what your point is. No, I'm saying like <laughs> how, how often does this work out if you do if you take both. About three times a year, I'd say. But it, the rare thing, the rare thing is uh, is the round one pick with another guy in the first five rounds, I guess. Well, he's, I don't know if you ever played any of these drafts out, but I know there were times in our mock drafts where you took Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that would have worked like, out. Huh? That would have worked out. I'm I'm sure, but there were certainly plenty of times last year where there was disappointing games for one of them. Well, that's gonna be the case with any picks you take. It would have left you thin at running back in theory because those have been your first two picks, but you don't have to do that with Cup and Robinson. Anyway, I think it's a brilliant strategy. Please consider it. All right, let's go on to tight end. <laughs> tight end, Kyle Pitts, 35th overall. I did another draft where I took Mooney and Komet in the uh, uh, in a best ball league. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> see, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, not a lot of capital there because Cole Komet's going 150th overall. He's tight end 17. So Pitts and Komet are going to catch more touchdowns, you think, You'd think. And Pat Fryermuth, fewer touchdowns. He's going 115th overall. He's tight end 11. What do you want to focus on here with the tight ends, Heath? Well, I mean, first off, if Marcus Mariota can just be okay, um, Kyle Pitts, just his touchdown regression could be the path to him being a top two or three tight end. The problem is that you have to draft him as if it's all already happened. Yeah, he caught one touchdown last year. Komet caught none, and Fryermuth had seven. So, all right, so that's Kyle Pitts. You, I think over, the biggest thing out of those three, I would say, is that Kyle Pitts or Cole Komet and Pat Fryermuth should not be that far apart. Mm-hmm. One's tight end 11, one's tight end 17. Kyle Pitts over under five and a half touchdown catches. Over. Under. Hmm. Let's see. When was the last time a tight end finished? Oh, how about what's the fewest amount of tight of touchdowns for a top three tight end over the last was Walt three five that year? Years? Let's find out. Last year it was Who? eight. Waller, like three years ago, Un- over under how many touchdowns? No, I'm saying what's the fewest amount of touchdown catches for a top three tight end in the last, let's say, five years? I mean, Kittle's got to be in the conversation. He never had more than five. It was last. Waller had three. Waller had three. In 2019, the same year that Kelsey had... How about this? Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle were your top three tight ends in PPR. They had five, three, and five touchdown catches that year. (laughs) (laughs) The last two years, though, it's been eight. 2018, it was five, George Kittle. Okay, it can be done. 
George Kittle is living proof. And commit over under four and a half touchdowns. Over. That's a good number. Um, I haven't projected at exactly 4.5 touchdowns. Push. Would it, <laughs> wait, wait, would it be crazy to, to draft him ahead of Pat, Pat Fryermuth? Does anybody have commit ahead of Fryermuth? Yes. Uh, no. I have one spot ahead in full PPR. Okay. I can see myself changing that too. You guys ready for some emails? Oh yeah. Oh not yeah. Doing kicker regression? No kicker regression. Just some emails. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. This is from Mark in Colorado. Go Rockies, I guess. Dear you look that team too? I'm not gonna mush them, no. I've no interest. Are the Avalanche in the uh in the playoffs? Oh yeah, they're the best team, I'd say. I thought the Panthers were the best team. Well, they're the best remaining team. The Avalanche were the number one seed in the in the uh, Western Conference. Uh, he says, I can't believe I had to Google this. It's pathetic. I don't know this. Dear Larry, Dante, Vinny, and Andres. Those are Rockies. Larry, uh, Larry Walker, Dante Bichette, Vinny Castillo, Andres Galarraga, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have, um, well, he's thanking us for being so accessible with questions. You're very welcome. Uh, my question is about Kenny Galladay. I thought this was a good good one for regression because Galladay, zero touchdowns last year. Obviously, last year was a disaster for his fantasy value. Um, given his talent and contract in the new regime in New York City or, or New Jersey, isn't he a bounce-back candidate? Isn't Kenny Galladay a bounce-back candidate? I never hear his name mentioned in the sleeper categories. What do you think about him as a late-round dart throw with upside? It's 100% accurate. I mean, look, he's... He's not going to be as bad. I can't imagine that being the case. Um, it certainly could happen, but uh, he does. He still has plenty of potential. You know, you have to hope that Brian Dable un- un- unlocks it, unleashes it, and that Daniel Jones can, you know, hopefully, you know, take advantage of this big target that, you know, can still make a lot of plays and certainly a lot of contested catches. I think the offseason's kind of told you what they think of their receiving core. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of significant upgrades, right? You know, they lose Evan Ingram. You're hoping Sterling Shepard's back from a terrible injury. Uh, they're hoping Kadarius Tony takes a step forward. You know, I know you said, Adam, and, and it makes a lot of sense that they're tanking, and we got the report over the weekend that expects Saquon Barkley to be heavily involved in the passing game. All those things make sense. But I think Kenny Galladay is going to be a big part of what this passing game looks like, and hopefully he takes advantage of it. This um, Jamie talked really early in the show about uh, the 49ers and how unfun they are to project. The Giants are the destitute man's version of the 49ers. <laughs> um, because, like, one of those wide receivers, Tony or Galladay, or they're saying Sterling Shepard's going to be ready for the start of camp, so maybe it's just him again until he gets hurt. Um, one of those receivers is probably going to be valuable. Mm. It'll be Wanda Robinson. Why does Kadarius Tony get drafted ahead of Kenny Galladay? Upside down. What would, Chris, what would Chris Towers say to that, Adam? You can do it. What would he say? I don't know. What would he say? Oh, oh. Is Kenny Galladay is Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay could be Kenny Galladay, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I was actually reading a pretty interesting sort of n- numerical breakdown of Daniel Jones, and he's turning the ball over less than he used to because he throws in tight windows fewer than he, less than he used to, and they want him to take more chances this year. But... One thing about Galladay, and 
I liked him. I was happy they got him. Don't get me wrong. But one of the things that concern me a little bit, he's not a separator. And he never has been. He's been a right. great receiver, but he does not get separation. And that's been a theme for Giants receivers. Kadarius Toney is different, though. Kadarius Toney does get separation and might just be a better fit for Daniel Jones if Jones is less willing to throw into tight coverage. They, I think they want him to throw into tight coverage a little bit more. They Remember, they want him to cut it loose or whatever. But if he's if he's not if he's going to try to turn the ball over less, that might favor Tony. I don't know. It might be a little bit of abstract thinking here. But Galladay is a guy that doesn't really get open. He wins contested battles, and maybe that's just not a good fit for Daniel Jones. I don't know. Again, new coach, you know. Yeah. So let's hope things change there. Okay. Uh, here's another great email from. We know he didn't like uh, Jason Garrett last year. <laughs> right. Uh, from. Jay Fields in Chicago, a different one, though, not Justin. He says, Adam was right. 23 NBA playoff games have been 20-plus point blowouts. Bad. And the intro with the grunts is so much better. This is a great email. I really it's very surprising that you read a positive Adam email. <laughs> well, first a Giants email, then a positive Adam email. Yeah, um, see the theme of today. I, I yeah. would rather have four games that are 20-point games but alternate which team wins every game than a, a four-game sweep of five- to ten-point games. Well, I don't know. I mean, do you think the Warriors-Mavs has been better or worse than the Celtics' Heat? Because game one was a dud. Warriors-Mavs have been much worse. Games two and three were competitive. You know, we only had one competitive game so far in the Heat. You know, the reason— I mean, it, 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 when you look at the end result, like the, the last, last night's Heat game was terrible. Right. Celtics game was terrible. You know, I mean, from a, from a viewing standpoint, you know, right. like Keith obviously enjoyed it. He's a Celtics fan. But uh, from just a pure viewing standpoint, that was terrible. You know, the Heat not scored in the first quarter. Like, nobody wanted to watch that one by the time we got the, after halftime. Um, the previous game was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a good game. I don't know if it was fantastic, so, but it was a good game. I mean, well, I mean Jimmy Butler wasn't playing. <laughs> so the Heat were basically the most boring team. From a drama team. standpoint, like, you had you had all the drama. Celtics players getting hurt and then coming back. You had right. the Heat trying to withstand not having Butler. You know, it was it was a it good, was good theater. Yeah, it was. So some of those Mavs Warriors games through three quarters were were good. Then How you get well, to the fourth quarter and they pull away. And that Celtics game one of Celtics Heat, I was there and my team lost, so I should not enjoy it. That was a good game. The Celtics were ahead at halftime, and then yeah. he had an incredible third quarter. It was, it was a fine game. Just want a little drama. Want a little give me. See, it proves you don't watch the games. Who, me? You're looking at the, your box yeah. score scouting. No, I, I, wa- bad I watch. Saw the box I don't watch the full game. Uh, no, of course not. But you know, you know I, you're watching um, Desperate Housewives or something. I'm watching. Yeah, I know what you're not watching. Des- I'm watching Desperate Hockey Players. I don't have to watch that anymore, though. All right, here's the email, an it's email like from when, Tommy. When they found out that the Titanic was at the bottom of the lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tommy says, "Dear Sam Baker and Kyler." Oh, those are. Quarter X from Oklahoma. Yeah. In our league, week one waiver wire priority begins in reverse draft order. I have the 11th pick based on my terrible March Madness bracket. Uh, that's cool. Is zero or hero RB more viable from the 11th pick based on the fact that I will retain a very high waiver priority early in the season and will theoretically be able to get a quality running back with long-term relevance through waivers when a starting running back inevitably gets seriously injured at some point in the first few weeks of the season. So I guess he can keep it. He's going to have the second. Right. So he's got to priority. sit on it for a few yeah. weeks, potentially. So the thing you have to avoid, which 
it sounds like you're a smart fantasy player and you can do that, is the Tua Tungavailoa two-touchdown game to Sed Wilson in week one. And idiots like me saying, well, he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and and wasting your top waiver priority on someone like that. But um, I don't want to draft based on what the waiver claims are going to be. So, you know, yeah. is it more viable to, to, to do that? Sure. There will be somebody that emerges, as we saw last year. It was Elijah Mitchell after week one. You know, so there is the potential for that. But, you know, the last thing you want to do is J.K. Dobbins goes down. Gus Edwards is on the pup list and you're reaching for Mike Davis. And then by week two, J.K. Dobbins is back and you wasted that priority. You know, so there's so many different scenarios at play here. So, yes, you're in a good spot because you have that claim and and you know that you're able to be patient and hold on to it. But at the same time, I think you want to draft accordingly and not even worry about where you're picking off waivers. I would say zero RB is much more uh, palatable from this spot if Cup, Chase, or Jefferson is there with your 11th pick. Because then you could take one of those guys, and then you take Andrews or Kelsey at the start of the second round, and that's a fantastic zero RB start. But you wouldn't be doing that though, with based on your waiver claim. You'd do that anyway, right? Yes. Okay. All right, guys. So thank you very much for your time. I need help with one more thing. You guys, fans of the Big Bang Theory? Of course, one of one of the best sitcoms in television history. Don't you think no. they would have? Well, you're just missing out, Jamie. Don't you think they would have a clever title for regression? I'm thinking the regression profession. What can we name our show that that Big Bang Theory would do? Because that's all their shows are. You know what I mean? You know their titles, right? So it's like I uh, just like to see, and we we should have some connections to this. If we could get Sheldon on to explain uh, positive regression, <laughs> and you could just ask him some questions about regression. I'm, I'm that would be uh, that would be a fun episode. The Barbarian Sublimation, the Griffin Equivalency, the Euclid Alternative, the Cooper Nowitzki Theorem, the Panty pinata polarization. That's the kind of thing I'm looking for here. I think the regression profession is the title of today's episode. What do you think? Okay. We're teaching people about regression. I think you should leave these things to the professionals like Ben. We did I not come up do, with the titles, big guy. We did not wow, do the guy. thing you said to do. <laughs> what thing? Oh, the positive regression thing? We never explained anything about that. A regression could be positive or negative. There it is. It's called. It's not called progression, right? It's not called progression. Okay. You're not regressing and going backwards. You're we're going towards the backwards towards the mean. That was well said. Not confusing. Yeah, I say my my belly is regressing. <laughs> uh, no, that would be no. It's not. No. <laughs> you wish it were. <laughs> All right, we're getting in the best shape of our lives, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.